Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, and 21 through 26, the first book of John, chapter 5, verse 9 through 13, the Gospel according to John, chapter 17, verse 6 through 19, and Psalm 1. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, how am I supposed to pretend that this is going to be a normal sermon? How can we pretend that today is a normal day? Well, we don't need to pretend. We don't need to pretend that this is a normal sermon on a normal day during normal times. Everything about our lives right now is abnormal. And while we feel little glimpses and moments and, and, and just sort of uh, uh, instances of, of normalcy, uh, we know that that's the, that still is the uh, exception to the rule of our lives right now, and we're aware of that. Even being together right now, this is how we move forward. We'll have you here again next week and the week after, and the week after that. And yet, right now, this feels so strange. Are we allowed to do this? You know? We also have, but but these are difficult times, but we have have these very difficult texts that we hear today. We have texts, uh, we have readings from both, uh, you'll notice that the the epistle reading that we heard recorded and and the gospel that Gary read are both from uh, sort of the John church. So one's the gospel according to John, and the other is like letters of John. And they're, they're sort of ascribed to the same person, and, and, and these letters and this gospel are for the same group of people, essentially. And I, and I have to tell you that because I want us to understand that these things didn't ex- don't exist in a vacuum. We sometimes hear the words of the Bible, and we don't actually imagine what caused them to be written. We don't imagine what kind of circumstances the people around the author were in that caused him to write the things he wrote. We sort of feel like these words just existed forever. And they're just there in the air for all people to read and understand. But these were actually written for a group of people to understand specific things about what God was doing in the world. In particular, in particular, These writings were written to a community that was new and was trying to understand who it was, what they were, what they were about, trying to define themselves and understand what their place was in the world. They had come to believe something. They had come to believe that Jesus was the Son of God who had come into this world to save this world through the power of God's love. Some of them were Jews who believed this Jesus to be the the Messiah of Israel. Others were Gentiles who'd never even heard of what a Messiah was. And all of a sudden here they were believing in this guy and jumping in and jumping on board. All of them, by virtue of the fact that they believed in the power of God's love, all of them were drawn into a new community that required them to see the world completely differently. They could no longer see the world as it was. They were now required to see the world 
as something that totally and completely belonged to a God of love. And every single person around them belonged to that God. And every single person around them was actually born for the purpose of loving and being loved. But here's the thing. Believing that in this world made them really weird. That was not normal and acceptable. And I don't need to talk about back then. Today, if you believe, if you believe that you were born out of the abundance of God's love, it's why you exist. If you have the audacity to look in the mirror and believe with no apologies and no reservations that you belong in this world and that you are loved exactly as you are. And then you have the the audacity to, to look out in the world and see others and believe the same things about them. And then you belong to commun- a community that, that is founded on the principle of that unconditional love and you seek to make it true for all people to create a society that respects the beauty and the dignity of every person and sees God's presence in everyone. If you choose to live like that, you will not be normal, friends. The great 20th century Christian writer Flannery O'Connor once said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you odd. So there's language in here about that Jesus says to his disciples that you don't belong to the world. You belong to the Father. The world doesn't get it. And and later John in his writings is saying to his group of people, you got to know the Son of God. You've got to understand who Jesus is or you don't get it. And that language is tough on our ears. It sounds really exclusive. Well, here's the thing. It is really exclusive. It is. It's exclusive language. I'd like to pretend that it isn't. I'd like to be like, no, let me explain how it's not at all. But the reality is that John is laser-focused on something about what his community needs to understand. And that is, and we heard it a couple weeks ago from the same reading, God is love. And any community that is founded on anything other than the truth that God is love is not true and real beloved community. If you want to build relationships that are eternal and lasting, that are real and filled with love and conquer all things, including illness and separation and isolation and loneliness and even death, if you want to experience that kind of relationship, all those relationships need to be founded on our eternal belonging to God our utter unconditional belovedness. This is our reality. And it's exclusive in the sense that John's saying, you don't get to believe just anything and be okay in your heart. If your heart is not centered on the truth that love is the founding reality of all creation, then you're missing something fundamental. And that's not just a matter of opinion. or Oh, I think love is the most important thing in the world, but you can think it's power. That's okay. Or I think love is the most important thing in the world, but if you think it's money, I mean, it's all just different paths up the same mountain. No, these are very different things. And so there's a language that we have written here 
where we hear about this, this tension between those who follow Jesus and the world. Those who believe that God is love and those who believe that God is other things. There's a tension there, and that tension is healthy. It's not wrong. We oftentimes think that any tension is bad, but honestly, if you are living in love in this world, expect tension. If you are living a life where there is no tension with anyone ever, are you living a life that is honestly and truly filled with love and seeking for a world that is made to be built in love? We as a community, we pray. We pray every week. Some of us pray every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of this community of love, this beloved community, is that here on this earth, we can help God make it look more like heaven. Do you think that we will do that without any tension whatsoever? No. There's not a chance. Thank you for shaking your head so clearly. There is not a chance. But I have to say about the times in which we live that there is a capacity we have to be exclusive in our own way, which is to say, I've got this figured out and I'm right and anyone who's not a part of this doesn't get it. I don't think that's the kind of exclusivity that John is talking about. He is talking about the exclusive reality of love as the most powerful presence in the world and his belief that his church must be founded on that love. But we have this capacity in our time right now. We're in this space of, yeah, but are you a masker or an anti-masker? Vaccinated? Unvaccinated? By choice? What's going on with you? Liberal, conservative, all of it. Which, hey, which news do you watch? Right? That's our world. Tell me so I know where to put you in my head. Right? And I get it. Because we're trying to create lives that are founded on love, and it feels very fragile to do that. And we're scared. Like the people in John's, that John's writing to in his church, we're scared. Can we make this love grow? Can we, can we protect it? We don't need to protect love. Love protects us. Just like Jesus says today. Love protects our souls. Love nourishes our hearts and makes us ready to care for this world, to care for one another, and to recognize that we have a part to play in the healing of this world. And, and when, we, when we focus on that love, it is so we're still people, right? So while we're focusing on love and while we're trying to build these communities, we're still so capable of going, this would work so much better if that person would just get with the picture, right? The, the who's in, who's out thing runs strong in our veins, doesn't it? And that's why I am always moved to tears by the reading that we heard from Acts this morning. Yeah, where they talk about Judas I don't know if you noticed that. But whenever I grew up, whenever I was learning about Judas, Judas was anathema. Judas was the villain. If you were talking about Judas, you better like furrow your brow, especially when you're wearing a mask, so people can know that you don't like Judas. 
But after Judas' death, the other 11 apostles get together and they do something really beautiful. Peter says, you know, Judas was one of us. He was one of us. He was part of who we are. And we actually can't go forward until we have another person to take that place because we are incomplete without Judas. Think about that for a moment. The beginning of this beloved community is founded in a place of love and respect and forgiveness and honoring of the place that Judas, of all people, had played in the life of that that community. And so they have to pick a person. They draw lots. It's a very strange story. I don't know. I was thinking about what it would be like to be Justice, the other guy, who's never mentioned again. He either like really did okay for himself or it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? But it's a very strange story in that sense. But, but I love the story because there is a recognition in the community. Not that Judas did the right thing. They didn't believe that. Not that it, well, it's just a matter of perspective. Not that. Judas had done something grievous and painful and sad. And he died a lonely death. And then his friends said, well, he was one of us. And we won't be the same without him. They recognized something. They recognized that we are complete only when we are all together. It's what's made worshiping in this space when it's been empty so painful. It's not that it's hard to preach to an empty room, although it's really hard to preach to an empty room. (laughs) It's that we're, we're so not complete when we're not together. And even now, we're just building towards completion. We're still moving towards it. And even when these rooms fall again, we will still be building towards completion because we want this beloved community to reflect the community around us and to be recognized as as we want to look around and see just all different kinds of people who are drawn into a community founded on love. There There is a sadness even in the joy of days like today. There is a a yearning that exists even within communities that are founded in love because we are always recognizing the people who aren't here. We are always remembering the people that we miss and that we want to be connected to us in this work and in the life that we live, the life founded in love. Some of you have heard me say this. Fourteen months ago, when we made the decision to close the doors of this church for three weeks, I had this vision. I was horrified by the idea of taking three weeks away from this space on a Sunday morning. Horrified. And while I was saying three weeks, I had several people whispering in my ears, it's going to be longer. And so even though I was saying three weeks, I was thinking in my head, well, maybe three months. That was 14 months ago. And I had this picture in my head, and maybe you've had it too. I had this picture in my head of when we all came back to this space for the first time. I thought it would maybe be Palm Sunday of last year or Easter, and we'd all be in our finest Easter finery and duds, you know, 
and the, and the brass and the timpani would be back here and the f- place would be filled with flowers and the people would be through the roof and we'd all be holding on to each other and singing and crying and joyful. I'm, I had nothing less than a picture of the kingdom of heaven in my eyes, did I not? And as you know, the truth of our lives is always more complicated than the dreams that we have. Yeah. The truth of how things go, it's always going to look a little bit different. Right? So there's no, there's no easy, simple way back into community. There's no perfect date that once we hit that date, everybody's just automatically safe. Because there are people who never were safe, and there are people who are never going to be safe. There's no easy way forward for all of us. But there is a right way forward. There is a true and honest and authentic way forward for this church and for God's people, and that is in love. That we will base the decisions we make as a community on our love for God, on our love for one another. We will base the decisions we make in how we care for each other, we will base those decisions on the reality that every single person we meet is utterly and totally belonging to God. We will make the decisions that we make as a community and we will move forward in love in the knowledge that you and I are utterly belonging to God. We will know that truth. It will make us odd. But it will continue to drive us towards the truth of this whole world, which is that we belong to each other. It will continue to connect us in relationships of holy connection and communion. It will continue to draw us deeper into the heart of the God who made us. And for this, we are eternally grateful. I'm so grateful to have you all here with us today. And for those who are watching and cannot be with us, I cannot wait to be with you. It is an honor for us to share a space and to share a community that is founded on the truth of this whole world, the love of God that is eternal life.